Good evening, everyone. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to the, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 38 through 42. Um, as we continue to go through this book of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it, it's, it's a book that's uh, at times very convicting. It's, uh, some people say it's only for the millennial kingdom, and and yet there are many today that believe as a child of God, it's telling us how we are to live. It's telling us what is pleasing really unto the Lord. Well, let's open in prayer, Father, tonight. What we need is not only a word from you, but a, a touch upon our hearts, a touch upon our minds. We ask that you would uh, remove distractions, but you would really give us a teachable spirit that we would hear you. We would desire to really obey you and follow in your ways. To enjoy your goodness and make your goodness known in this community. So we thank you tonight for meeting with us. I thank you that we will hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message, uh, it's the law of really retaliation. And uh, it's interesting in, in the culture we live in, especially America, I'm saying that. We live in a day that most people are intensely conscious of their rights. In fact, we're Americans and we have rights. And in such a climate, it, it's not unusual for believers in, in Christ Jesus to be asking, what are my rights? What are my rights as a, a Christian? Do I have the, the right to success and wealth, to home and family, to a good name, and, and really to be respected? Perhaps you've asked these questions in your own life, in your prayer life, and asking God, do you have rights? But when we come to the, the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to answer these questions, answer them directly. And it's going to be striking what you see. Because as a, as a believer, the only right we have is to receive Jesus Christ. When you look at the scripture, if you come to the scripture and, and look at it, because when I say rights, like the book of Judges, every man wanted to do what was right in his own eyes. God's ways, God's plans are much different than ours. And let us look together at this small text tonight and we'll examine what kind of rights do we have. It's in verse 38, it begins, You've, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you upon the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to him who asks of you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. We read the, the same Bible, and yet there are many different denominations and groups and many different beliefs and 
many different interpretations and I'm really convinced that people have already determined what they want to believe before they even read the Bible. They, they've determined what they want to see. Sometimes they're looking at, at this group of people and, and, and these are Christians and that's what Christianity looks like. And we can bring that down to a, a simple practical thing, how we look at even in our own family, what we expect from a family. In fact, I'd like to start with this illustration. There was once a father. He was he's going away and, and away from his young family for three or four days for business. And he was anxious that his wife should be properly looked after, taken care of in his absence. There are things that he had done routinely, daily, just to show that he loved her, cared for her, nurtured her. So he pulled his oldest son aside, who was nine years old at the time, and he says, when I'm away, he said, I, I want you to think what I normally do around the house, and I want you to do it for me. He had in mind, of course, the, the cleaning up of the kitchen and the washing up of the dishes and the, and the putting out of the garbage and similar tasks that he did around the house. Well, when he returned, and on his return, he asked his wife what his son had done. And she said, well, she said, it was very strange. Straight from the breakfast table, he made himself another cup of coffee. He went out to the living room and, and sat down and, and turned on loud music, read a newspaper for a half hour. And the father was left wondering whether his son had really obeyed him a bit too accurately. See, his son saw that, but he did not see all the other things that he did. And see, we can read the Bible, but sometimes what people are reading is their lives, their actions. We say one thing and we live another way. And when we look at the law, how it's been interpreted, how it's been abused, how they've gone away from really the intent of, of the Father's will. It's interesting because when Jesus said in verse 38, you have heard it said, and then in verse 90, uh, 39 he says, but I say to you. See, they were teaching something other than what it was supposed to be taught. It was accepted. See, Jesus taught differently than others because in Matthew 7, 29 it says, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. See, what the scribes did is they listened to others, they watched others, and, and they spoke what they spoke. Jesus was speaking the living word of God. When he spoke, they sensed there was authority. He said, you have heard what has been said, but I'll say to you. He gives the exact meaning. He gives the, the intent of the law. And oftentimes when people come to the scripture, they blow it all out of proportion. They come again with their own intent, how they want to function, what they want to see. They make excuses for their actions and, and say, well, this is really in the millennial kingdom. We don't need to live this way now. But Jesus was telling them what to do, and then he walked it out. He lived it out. And if we're to be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus, we need to follow in his steps. 
Well, what we're looking at is really retaliation. It's a punishment of kind. Most of us understand that it's returning an action in response to another action. If somebody punches you, you punch them back. It's interesting when a family member of mine was working in a foreign country in the Middle East many, many years ago, they were told by the boss they're working for, if you're driving through the streets and somebody runs out in front of you and you hit them, well, back up, run over and kill them. Because the family will retaliate, even though you maybe only hurt them or bump them, they will kill you. And you need to do this and we will get you out of this country immediately. But sometimes when someone does something to us, we do something equally bad. In fact, sometimes even worse because we think that makes us feel good. See, this struggle with revenge is centuries old. In fact, Shakespeare said, if, if you, you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? If you wrong us, shall we not seek revenge? Shakespeare clearly thought revenge was something normal, predictable, as the sun rised every day. You and I are not looking for a hero. We have a, a Savior. And the Savior is still at work. He's on the throne. He's saving us each and every day from ourselves. Because why we're saved from that penalty is and we still need to be saved from ourselves. The scripture reminds us our hearts are wickedly deceitful above all things. Who could know it? Again, someone lashes out, we lash out. The idea that revenge is self-destructive. Confucius said, before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. There's wisdom there. Gandhi seemed to agree with him when he said, an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. It's the natural thing for us to react, but our duty is not to retaliate. See, it's our right to, to, to get even. But it's interesting that we oftentimes go beyond getting even. In Romans 12, 17, notice what it says. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says this, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for another and for all people. 1 Peter again comments on this same thing, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. It's natural, but the, what seems to be unnatural for our flesh is not to retaliate. And that's what he calls us to live like. A person that distributes grace. A person who is merciful. A person that's loving and kind and meek. 
See, if we keep the words of Jesus, we really end up exercising what we call meekness. So what is meekness? Meekness comes from that Greek word that depicts an attitude, a demeanor of a person who is forbearing, patient, slow to respond in anger. One who remains in control of himself in in the face of insults and injury. That's all of us. No, it's not, is it? We all have this little hostility, this tenseness that rises in us. But see, this is what God calls us to be, is meek, humble, not to retaliate, not to react. Although an injurious situation may normally produce a rash and even an angry outburst, the meek person is controlled by kindness, gentleness, mildness, even friendliness. See, as we begin to look at the text, we're really going to see the, the way of the Lord in this small text tonight. It's, it's small, but it's, it's powerful. In fact, this text will dovetail into the text next week, and we'll talk about that at the end. But he begins in verse 38 again. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a, a tooth for a tooth. But when you examine, really, Exodus 21 and verses 23 and 25, and then Leviticus 24 and verses 18 through 20, we learn the, the very purpose of the law was really preventing people from taking the law into their own hands. Is anyone guilty of that? And, and I think probably all of us. We want justice. We're going to get even. See, in the, in the culture that was surrounding the nations at the, the time of Moses, this is when this was written. See, vengeance usually meant that taking a life for an eye, a life for a tooth. They were going beyond, and not just at that time of Moses, it went around in the, the culture all around. If someone hurts me, I'm going to get even. I'm going to them. I'm going to destroy them. See, the purpose in all this was, again, to ensure that there was, yes, punishment in these civil cases, but punishment that fit the crime. It was never meant to, to sanction acts of really personal retaliation, vengeance. In fact, follow with me in Romans chapter 12, verses 19 and 21. Never take on your own revenge. Beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will help and heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. See, here's the idea, is vengeance is mine. I I find that very freeing. I I don't need to get even. I don't need to put all my energy, let it rob my joy, because you know what? God's going to take care of it. And maybe along the way, God will save them. 
really the better attitude, and we'll talk more about it later, is really pray for them. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. See, there really needs to be a, an attitude change in our hearts. See, justice was to be the fundamental principle, really, for the government. This is a law given for the civil, the civil law of the Bible, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was to limit what could be done to a person, not seeking vengeance, not trying to destroy them or kill them. Now, the, the Sermon on the Mount is not a, a, a code for really the, the, the government in the world of crime and armed with conflict or an infidel society. It, it's really for believers. See, God's ways are higher than our ways. This is what God is forging in your heart, in my heart. This is the change that he's bringing about. This is how he treats you and he treats me. Loving, kind, merciful. See, it's impossible, though, in, in such a society to really restrain crime by turning the other cheek, as we mentioned earlier. This is for the believer. This is for you and me now. This is how we are to live in this life. And this is how we learn that we're growing in the love and grace of God when things go wrong, when we're wronged, and how we treat them, how we deal with them. There's times that we'll have to confess and we'll repent and we cry out, God, change my heart. As we pray, it will be better. There will be more trials, more situations. Revealing the heart. Sometimes revealing a change or sometimes just the change that needs to come. A greater dependence upon God. So this is really for the church. It is true it's for the millennial kingdom because that's how God's people are to live. But this is how we live now. Well, let's look at verses 39 through 42. That's really where we're going to be focusing next. But what we're going to be focusing on is really bringing glory to the Lord. Isn't that your desire tonight, to bring glory to God? It means a heart change, an attitude change. A change in the actions, a change in our words, the way we go through life. See, for his people, the, the Lord repealed the Old Testament law of retaliation, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In fact, that came from Exodus 21, 24, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a hand for a hand and a foot for foot and and then in Leviticus 24, 20, notice what it says, a fracture for a fracture. And again, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Just as he was injured man, so shall he be inflicted. Again, limiting that. And then in Deuteronomy 19, verse 21, thus you shall not show pity, life for life, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and hand for hand. 
See, the Pharisees had really debased into a license this outrage to revenge. Their words, their teaching, in a sense, were patting him on the back. Go and do. Go and do what's in your heart. It's okay. But instead, the Lord proclaims the law of love. See, you and I are under this law of love. First is to love God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. And second is love our neighbor. James talks about that royal law or the law of love. It's, it's what motivates us how to treat people. Or to treat people as God treats us. Well, how are we to respond to people when they insult us? Oh, you have been insulted, haven't you? I think so, every one of us. Here in verse 39 it says, But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but one who slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. This is really a hard saying when you you stop and think about it. Which prescribes this course of action that, that is really not natural for any of us because we want to react. It's like you throw something up in the air, it's going to come down. It's as simple, it's, it's like a law, but it's a law of the flesh. And God is going to change that in you and me. See, this unprovoked assault prompts resentment and retaliation. But the Lord in his own life illustrated how to handle things. He doesn't tell you or ask you to do anything that he hasn't done. Now remember, when he was on earth, God became flesh and dwelt among us. He laid aside his deity. He lived as a man. He lived dependent upon the Father, upon the Spirit, showing you and me how we are to live through this life, how we're to walk through this life, how we're to deal with this situation and that situation. We don't need some self-help book. We just need to look at Jesus because Jesus shows us how to deal with life. How to live it. See, when Jesus was struck in the face, he did did not literally turn really the other cheek in one sense. But he didn't call down an army of angels to strike him down. Humble and meek. He acted with a sublime restraint. Contented himself with a mild reproach. And let me show you in John 18, verse 22 and 23, when he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, is that the way that you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him, if I've spoken wrongly, testify of that wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? Imagine that he was very calm, When he spoke, it was peaceable. So calm that it frustrated the the people. But Jesus wants to take us one step further in our walk, just as he did. And that's that we're 
not to retaliate at, at all. He says that even to his disciples, not to harbor a, a spirit of resentment. Not to go to bed and angry. And again, not harbor the spirit. If someone does something to injure you or, or, or put you to some inconvenience, make your life difficult and hard. But he calls you and me to demonstrate grace. The grace of God. If he gets some pleasure out of really hitting you, one well, hit you again. It baffles the people when they're watching. Oh, if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs and you read any church history, how they willingly went to be burned, beaten, tormented, how they submitted time and time again, just as Jesus went to the cross willingly as a lamb led to the slaughter. Meek and humble. See, the idea is not that we always passively suffer, really attacks, the bully or maybe the thief. I understand that. But here's the thought. When the interest of Christ's kingdom demanded, we turn the other cheek. And we should. Willingly, gladly, just as Jesus went to the cross, willingly, gladly for you and me. See, when you go through these things, you have no idea why you're going through it. You have no idea why God allows it. But know that God's on the throne. Know that God's in control. Know that all things work for the good for those who love the Lord and called according to his purpose. Look with me in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 through 21. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I God in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke to them kindly. And this is referring to his, his brothers who had thrown him in a pit and he was sold off into bondage. If there's anyone that should want to retaliate, anyone who suffered for so long being in prison, accused of all kinds of things they didn't do, it would seem like Joseph. But see, Joseph knew God had a plan. God had a purpose. So when you're in that situation, and I'm in that situation, know that God's on that throne. He's in control. He's allowing it. He's shaping and molding. Preparing you for such a time that maybe tomorrow or next year to be a witness, to a testimony, to be that ambassador, to, to lead someone to the Lord. When someone might ask you, but why do you act the way you do? Why do you speak the way you do? Why do you worship God when these things happen? And the scripture's clear. 
Be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within. God is love. And whatever he allows in your life and my life, it's because he is loving and it's what needs to be in my life for me to become the man, for you, maybe the woman, to be what he'd have you be. To be filled with joy, abundant joy. Then there's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Having said this, he fell asleep, referring to who? The first martyr of the church, Stephen, stoned to death. Forgive them. Do you hear the heart? He caught it. Joseph caught it. And then there's Isaiah, Isaiah 50, verse 6. I I gave my back to those who strike me, my cheek to those who pluck out my beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation or, or spitting. This is speaking of Jesus. Jesus knew what was going to happen before it even happened. And he too would pray, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Look with me in verse 40. It says, if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt. Let him have your coat also. People are just hoping to sometimes just to get rich, just to take advantage, just to see what they can get away with. How do we respond? I find that in times like that, it's very hard to see God. Because all I see is circumstances. And you understand what I mean by that in your own life. Work it out now. Look at Exodus 22 with me, verses 26 and 27. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you are to return it to him before the sun sets. For that is his only covering. It is a cloak for his body. What else shall he sleep in? It shall come about when he cries out to me, I will hear him and I will be gracious. Life, if we're just honest, is is tough sometimes. God sees and God cares. God's trying to provide the rules that we can walk through this life as Christ Jesus walked in a way with peace and love and seeing people come in the kingdom, heaping coals upon them, which speaks of blessings. See, the Lord told his disciples to give up not only their inner coats, which would legally, you know, had been taken away, but their cloaks, the outer garments, which is really exempt from the law. He's saying, you got to go a step further. See, the world is watching. What do they see when they watch us? Sadly, the church doesn't look much different than the world. Sometimes churches are suing churches. People in the church are are suing others in the church. In fact, in 1 
Corinthians 6, 7. It says, actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? Wow. I remember the first time I read that. That is the time I read it and caught it. Why not be wronged? Why not turn the other cheek? Why not avoid those people maybe in the future? Why not learn from it? There have been times when I've done that. I've I've had a chance to share with people down the road years later. People call me up and said, you know, your action made a difference in my life. Oh, it was years before it was a change, but I never forgot how you acted in this circumstance or that circumstance. See, this is all kingdom business. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. It's about God working in this world, working through your life and my life. See, we're to be ready to to give up even more than what the, the law requires. I heard the story of a a professing Christian who ran up enormous debts in his business. And when he saw the the creditors closing in, he he transferred all the assets into his, his wife's name, filed for bankruptcy. It was interesting because he was able to shake off all of those debts, the majority of them. But then he exclaimed to a another man. He said this was a very profitable bankruptcy. But was was that really what God had for him? Is that the way God would have you and me function? I would say not at all. First of all, if a man files bankruptcy and was forced to file bankruptcy, then Afterwards, he should work very hard to pay those people back. Because really, you owe that person, and that's what the scripture says again and again. Now, how could this man, who claimed to have this very profitable bankruptcy, really face his creditors? But very soon, he was back in business, the same kind of business, piling up debts again, with no regard for the witness of Christ. See, this man, if he was to lose everything, he should have gave everything away and worked hard. God honors those who honor him. When you've wronged somebody, if all possible, go back and make it right. The context of this passage, again, you have to remember, it, it goes back in time, and whoever forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. See, this was common practice at the time of the, the Romans. If they had a need of something, they could press men into service or beasts. It was compulsory for the interest of the, the government. In fact, if you remember uh, Simon, the Cyrenian, he's, he's seized again by the Romans to carry the cross of Christ. Compelled. Let me read Luke 23, verse 26. 
when they led him away, they seized a man, Simon, Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed him on the cross to carry for Jesus. Wow. Can you imagine carrying the cross for Jesus? I think it would be an honor. And sometimes that's what we do. It's going through these things, bearing these things sometimes. We're carrying a cross. But we do it because of our love for God, because of our love for Christ, because it is the right thing to do. Our witness, our testimony. See, when people seize us, and they can still seize property and do different things today, this is quite contrary, when you stop and think about it, to the spirit of this age. The spirit of Christ is so different. This is not for the millennial kingdom. This is for now how we live. Can you imagine if every Christian lived this way? The effect? Well, how are we to respond when people want to to borrow from us? Now, again, the culture was different, but there's still this heart, and I think it still applies today. Look at verse 42. Give to him who asks you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. The law was that you weren't required to, to give to anybody if they just asked, but if it was charity, you had that requirement. You needed to do it. So what is he saying here? Well, first of all, that, that there shouldn't be any charge of interest. In fact, if someone owed you something for seven years, they could even be released if they never paid from it. Is that okay? Because if we honor God, God will honor us. God will provide when we do things his way. The key, I think, though, is when people come or make themselves humble, come with an earnest petition. When they do, we need to respond to them. When you give to people, this is important to understand, you, you give to them because God would have you give to them, and you're not responsible for what they do with it. You do need to pray for wisdom and guidance, that's true. But what if they don't use it the way that you expect them to use it? If God would have you give it, give it. I know of a story of a church that gave away $800 to he took advantage of them. Then years later, called up the church, responded back, confessed what he did, sent the money back to them, told them that he had now become a believer. See, if God would have you give to someone, help someone, God knows what he's doing in that situation. When you give, you're giving unto God. But it's mine. It's not yours. You're a steward. How would God have you use it? For his glory? Sometimes we hold to the 10% so literal, and that's what they were literally taking all of this out of context. We need to have the spirit of the, the law. Mercy, not sacrifice. 
See, Jesus said in verse 42, give to him who asks you, do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You're going to help him, help himself. Now, the apostle John had it said at Jesus' feet in 1 John 3.17, he said this, but whoever has the world's goods sees his brother in need, closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? How can you call yourself a Christian when you see someone who is in need, desperate, down? Well, may the Lord bless you. A walk off. There's a red flag in your life or my life if I would do that. Certainly God sometimes has us turn away. He's only going to use it for drugs. He's only going to do this. He's only going to... Well, why not just go buy him a meal? If he says he's going to, just go buy it. You're not responsible for his actions. You're responsible, as I am, for my actions, as the scripture says. See, believers should be eager to help, relieve the the burden, the woes, the unfortunate of the world. Something we shouldn't have to be coached or or taught is something that should just be natural. If God's love has been poured into our heart, and it will just flow out naturally. So this law of retaliation, it's it's obsolete. It it was a whole system of do's and don'ts and regulations mandated by this mosaic law. But see, everything changed in Christ. The advent of love. Jesus is love incarnate. It it means love became flesh and dwelt among us. See, this whole thing rolls over into next week that we're going to see. In fact, I'm going to read next week's text, not comment on it. But it's one text, and I split it up because of timing, So in verse 43 to 48, follow with me. Again, he begins, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise upon evil and the good. Sins reign upon the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're not to love in word only, but in deed, a lifestyle, a lifestyle that denies ourselves. It takes trouble in order to be this kind of person, meek, humble, and courteous. I want to finish with a, this illustration. It's, it's titled Sweet Revenge. 
It was reported that a man in Massachusetts many years ago found a neighbor's horse in his field. He was mad about it, looked at the horse, took the horse to a public pound. Meeting the owner soon after this, he told him what he had done and added, and if I catch him again, I'll do the same thing again. The neighbor replied, well, the other night I looked out my window and I saw your cattle in the field. And I took your cattle and I drove them over to your house. I put them in your barn and fixed the gate. And if I catch them again, I'll do the same thing. The man was so struck with his neighbor's soft reply that he once took the horse out of the pound paid for the charges himself. Our love and actions can change the world. But it has to start here with me, with you. And I pray tonight that's your decision. I am going to walk as the Lord walks. I'm going to love as the Lord loves I'm going to pick up my cross and follow him daily. Father, thank you tonight for your scripture. Lord, it is wonderful. It's convicting, it's encouraging, it's refreshing. Lord, your way is above our way. And we want to walk just as you walk. We want to see your glory in this world. We want to see changed lives and people coming into the kingdom. We want to see this world turn right side up. Use us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.